Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. It's good to be here today, to have you all here. I really believe that if you're here today, the Spirit of God led you here, whether you believe that or not, and He's going to speak to you today. He's going to speak to you in a way that you really understand. So uh, what I what I want to pray is that as I speak, whatever I say translates to whatever God wants to say to you today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence and your earnest desire to connect with us, to be one with us. I pray, Lord, for each one of us today, wherever we are in our lives, in our journey of knowing you, may we each hear you in a way that we truly understand today. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, wherever you are in your life, you actually have the ability to hear God speak by his Holy Spirit. And sometimes God's been speaking to you for years by his Holy Spirit and you didn't realise and one day everything will fall into place. When I was um, a child, I came from a Christian home, but a very traditional sort of home and we didn't have Bible studies or family prayers. My dad came and prayed in my bedroom with my sister and I and we said set prayers every night, but the Holy Spirit was present. And I'd learnt things so that it wasn't until I was a teenager and I was baptised in the Holy Spirit and I'd go to some great events and I'd hear some amazing preaching that I'd never heard before that I suddenly realised I know some of this already. The Holy Spirit had been teaching me since I was a little girl and now it was all sort of starting to work into place. And so I'm praying today that um, God... God has been, I believe God has been speaking to you. There's already things he's been speaking to you through your life and that he will wrap some of them together. Every time we gather together, that it wraps together a little bit more and you see the journey that he's taking you on. So today um, we're talking about the kingdom of God within. So last week we looked at the mission statement of our church, which is bringing heaven to earth. And uh, the next three weeks we're going to look at the vision. The, sorry, that was the vision. This is the mission. The king, building the kingdom of God within you and then among you and then beyond you. And you might think, oh, this sounds boring. We've had vision statement, now we have mission statements. It's not boring at all. It's simply like this. The vision is bringing heaven to earth. And you, if I said to you, so this is the vision of our church, bring heaven to earth, off you go and do it. What would you do? So the mission statement is actually how you put that into practice. So what we do is we have a vision statement, then we have a mission statement, which we focus on. We focus on in leadership, we focus on as members of the body, and if we all do this, what we'll do one day is turn around and think, oh, my goodness, we actually brought heaven to earth. So we follow this. So we're just going to look at one of them today, and that's building the kingdom within. Temptation will happen today to think of the person next to you or someone you know and think they really need to hear this. Well, they might, but so do you and so do I. So um, whenever that thought comes, I really hope that person next to me or behind me or in front of me or the one who didn't even come today, hope they're listening online so that they get this. Forget them. It's you that God is speaking to this morning. So when you um, have someone walk into a room, you just imagine you're sitting in a room, some situation ha- is happening or nothing's happening, and someone walks in and with them comes something, some sort of presence. You think back to school and everyone's in class and the teacher hasn't arrived because the teacher's away sick and you're waiting to see who's going to take the class. Everyone remember that? And in comes the relief teacher and in comes the presence and you either hear everyone go, 
oh, yay. Everyone goes, oh, no. And sometimes they haven't even said anything if you know who they are. You know, you think, oh, no, do we have to have her? I remember being in kinder or year one or something, there was a teacher that wasn't my teacher, but she was Mrs Grumpy. And I remember seeing her in the school playground talking to another teacher and they're just standing there chatting, laughing, and I felt like saying, it's a lie. She's actually really horrible. This is fake. This is fake. So you bring a presence into a room. Think about what presence you like. You know, there's some people, if you're going to have people over for dinner, there's always someone that you think, if I have them around the table, we are going to have a good night. Or you think, this is actually going to be an awkward night. Do you know what I mean? You think of these different things and then if you've got a, a having a hard time and someone walks into the room, you will feel lifted or you'll feel pulled down by that person. There's, there's an amazing thing that can happen by the presence of someone coming into a room. What do you bring into a room? You may not know what you bring into the room. Most of us probably don't know what we bring into the room. When we, when we walk into a room, does everyone breathe a sigh of relief? Does everyone light up? Or they all think, oh, no. I don't know if you want to ask people that question. But um, find out what happens when you walk into the room. But the truth is every one of us carries something wherever we go. And I can think of people in my life where when I'm going through something, I love it when they walk into the room because I feel like, oh, this is just the person I need. And something changes with, within you. I remember when um, my dad passed away and um, my mum was actually away and I was just there with my four siblings and we were all adults with children, but still our dad. And uh, we were at his house and he died at home and we are all, you know, sitting, praying, doing what you do together. And then a minister from our first church drove up from Sydney and he walked into the room it was at that moment that we actually all felt free to really weep because there was someone there to look after us and we felt so protected by him and cared for him because he was like a father. So every one of us has this ability to walk into the room and bring something wonderful into the room when we're aware of the fact that we have the kingdom of God within us. And tell you a little story about a walking into the room. You find it in John 20. This is after Jesus has been crucified buried and he's been raised from the dead and some of the disciples are still hearing stories. Is he really alive or not? Could this be possible? And this is what happens. That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here's a walking into the room that was pretty amazing. They're all sitting there afraid. They've locked the doors. This is significant because Jesus actually just walks through the wall and appears. But he walks into the room and it changes everything. And this is what they experienced when he walked into the room. Overwhelming joy peace and power. Those three things, overwhelming joy, peace and power, just because he walked in the room. Before he'd even said anything except for peace be with you, overwhelming joy, peace and power came into their lives. And that's because he was fully bringing the kingdom of God into that room. He didn't have to go in and say, I'd just like to tell you that now I'm here, the kingdom of God is with you. 
He just walked into the room and they experienced it straight away. You know, I've read stories of people like Smith Wigglesworth, if you've ever read his stories, a man so full with the power of the Holy Spirit that he would get on a train and after a while people would start crying in repentance and turn to Jesus because of his presence. That you hear stories of people being healed just because of the presence of God in the room. And for us to be part of this, what, what God is doing on the earth of bringing heaven to earth, if we really want to be his disciples, we need to find out what it means to be filled with the kingdom of God within us so that we take the kingdom of God wherever we go and things happen without us even planning or making them happen. Because you can't make them happen when it's the kingdom of God, when it's the Holy Spirit within you. You are just totally available. So your aim, and that's what we're looking at today, is how do I get to be a person who's totally filled with the kingdom of God, who becomes like Jesus, that I walk into the room and there's peace and there's joy and there's power all at once come into the room. But I didn't walk into the room and think, I'm going to go into this room now and I'm going to bring peace and joy and power and give a questionnaire out before I leave to see what level they got of peace and joy and power. It's something that just happens. And to find it, you don't focus on being someone on what you're bringing into the room. You focus on something else. So I just want to look firstly what this kingdom of God really is. Jesus says, Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you despise the other. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you might think, yes, I've got that sewn up because I only follow Jesus. But today we're going to practice looking at ourselves a little bit more because sometimes we can say we're followers of Jesus but we're still following two masters. And you'll know which master you're following by what's going on in your heart today. We have to become really aware of ourselves. So you can be following, say I'm a follower of Jesus, but you're consumed with worry. There's another master who's talking to you. You can be say I'm a follower of Jesus, but you're filled with bitterness, anger, jealousy, pride, greed, you know, all the things. And the reason that uh, you don't even have to spell them out is how do they make you feel? And if they're making you not feel full of life, there's another master there. Because when you're with Jesus, the master, as you serve him, as you follow him only, these three things fill you, joy, peace and power. So it's actually better to look at what is, if there's joy, peace and power, is there an absence there? And you, all I can give you today is some tools to work with. And then you take them away and you put them into practice because this is an ongoing journey of our lives to be constantly surrendered to say, as Stu was saying earlier, I gave my life away and now I live. It's a constant dying to ourselves. But what happens and the reason that we want to do it is because we find abundant life within. Everybody wants a life that's filled with joy, peace and power and people around us start to find it as well. But it starts with us not looking at um, around us but starting to look within and checking ourselves to say, am I filled with joy, peace and power or is there something else that is, is actually dominating my mind a lot more than those three things? So actually somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit works, that's why I just want to wait today on the Holy Spirit to work on in each one of us because I've found that as I look back on my life, the Holy Spirit's been working in me, speaking to me since I was a little girl, even when I didn't realise, when I wasn't even getting sitting in a church like this or having a children's ministry like this, when I was, the Holy Spirit was speaking because I was earnestly seeking him. And it was only when I was um, got to be an older teenager, was baptised in the Holy Spirit, heard sermons like I'd never heard them before, I suddenly realised that all those years leading up to this point, the Holy Spirit had been teaching me. 
I believe you'll find the same as well. The things will start to fall into place. And I believe the Holy Spirit will be teaching you in ways that I'm not teaching you this morning because he's speaking to you right now. So my journey is just an example of what can happen. You don't have to do it like this. But I found that when I was um, a teenager and a uni student, so I've left school, um, I would find that for my personality, and you all have different personalities, um, worry started to consume my mind and fear of different things. Fear of the future, fear of wars, fear of, fear of a whole lot of things. And uh, that's actually one of the reasons that some of that happened was that when I was little and I'd listen to the news on the television, I'd hear things of children being kidnapped, wars in other countries, and I didn't realise that fear was dominating me. And um, actually what I did with my children up until about 12 was I actually never put on the nightly news because I realised the problem with the news is it's an unresolved story. Even with a movie, the baddie is generally caught and dealt with. But on the news, a child is kidnapped and that's the end of the story. And it can be incredibly fearful. So things happen in our lives as we grow up. And I discovered that at that point of my life, those things were really coming to the surface. And I was walking with Jesus, but I would discover that there was a lot of fear in my life. And uh, because I used to um, walk from my house to, to uni, which was about a 20-minute walk, I had these times of just being with the Lord. And I was in, in the Word. I loved being in the Word. So I was in the Word of God every day, morning and night. But these were my times just walking to uni where I would just meditate on Jesus. And something that by his Holy Spirit somehow he revealed to me, that if fear and worry were dominating my heart and mind, I was serving another master. That master was driving what I did. And fear and worry will drive what you do. And for you it might be something else. It might be jealousy or anger or hurts or pains. It'll be something, something that's dark. And so just have to, you know, don't sit there thinking, well, I've never been afraid or worried in my life, so I'm okay. There'll be something else in you, I promise. We all have something that is a temptation to serve. So as you translate this story to you, think about what it is for you that can easily dominate your mind. In Hebrews 12, it calls it this, it's called the sin that so easily besets us. So what is it for us? And be real with ourselves. And I felt God by his Holy Spirit prompting me to say, if they dominate you, the kingdom of God is not the prime kingdom within your heart and mind. It's not. And so I would say to the Lord, what will I do about it? This is prayer. Prayer is not just asking God to do a particular thing. It's talking to him. What will I do about it? I felt God say, I just want you to meditate on the word and see what I'm speaking to you. And as I meditated on the word, I came across verses like one we're going to look at soon that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. And I realized well, if the kingdom of God's not in here fully, I need to start seeking. And I realise, and I've said this before, that when joy fills your heart, it's like that little song that if you grew up in Sunday school, you learnt joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart because the king is in residence here. Because if you go to England and you see the flag, British flag flying high, the queen's at home. If it's not there, she's not at home. Once we're in England, we're sitting in this little pub having lunch right next to Windsor Castle. And as we were sitting there, we saw the flag go up. It's really exciting. We never saw the Queen, just saw the flag going up. And the flag was really exciting. So, oh, the Queen's in there. That's really exciting. We should have this flag flying way above us that says joy is in me because the King is in residence in my heart. And if it's not, you need to do something about it. So I would meditate on the love of God. I would just get key verses and I'd walk through the bush from North Lambton down to Newcastle Uni 
and I would meditate on the verses of the love of God until they went from my head to my heart, until I believed them. Sometimes I'll do that every day, walking there and walking back for a week, two weeks, until I believed them. And once I believed them, it was like the kingdom of God rushed into my heart and everything changed. Everything changed because you, you're preventing the power of God moving in you and through you when you're serving another master. And you have to wake up sometimes and say, my greed, my anger, my jealousy, my bitterness, my worry, whatever it is, means I'm actually serving another master. And you can serve another master. So don't be upset if I say that. You have the free will to serve the other master. It just won't bring you life. And it won't bring love to anyone else in your world. And doing this process sometimes takes time because you are used to serving that master, used to thinking the way that master wants you to think. And so for me, it was a process of dying to myself. And I've had to learn that constantly and put it into practice in other situations. Just because you get it once doesn't mean you've got it forever. It's like I went to exercise classes once and now I'm fit. Like my daughter was saying to me, because I did ballet for 10 years, and she said, I can't believe that you're actually like a really good ballet dancer. It's because it disappeared, didn't it? She do I don't walk in the room and she says, ballet dancer. That disappeared. That's because I stopped going to classes, basically. And uh, you might think, well, no, but do you know Margot Fontaine, one of the world's most famous ballet dancers, was the principal dancer till she was 60. So it just shows that if you keep going, you will keep getting better and better. Don't think you've got it once and you can finish up. So let's see what the kingdom of God is. A couple of things it tells you you can go and research it yourself. This, scriptures are full of it. But um, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. And sometimes we make it a lot of talk. And we can have all these lovely principles. That, yes, we all believe in forgiveness and grace and we all believe in dying for us to ourselves. And we all believe in worship and we all believe in prayer and we all believe in gathering together for fellowship. But sometimes it's just talk and it's meant to be power. And you have to ask ourselves, is, is for me, is my life as a follower of Jesus, is it talk or is there actually power within me overcoming the, the dark things that need to go? Is, is it just talk? Do I just come and look good on a Sunday but really inside I'm dead? And I'm not saying that. That doesn't mean that you are bad. That just means that there's something needs to happen that you need to die to so that the Holy Spirit can fill you with joy and peace. And sometimes the problem is we try harder to get joy and peace. You don't have to try harder. You just have to die more effectively to allow it to, to his spirit to flood into your life. You just have to believe more effectively in his love for you. You believe more effectively in his future for you and only the Holy Spirit can allow you to do that. I would find I'd be walking along and I'd feel like the Lord's saying, I want you to rejoice in every situation. And I would start to and I'd say to God, I just can't. I'm trying and I just can't rejoice in every situation, but I want to. It's all I've got is I want to. Will you help me to do it? And then he helps you to do it. You have to understand that you, cannot, you can't do any of this by yourself. You can't even rejoice in the Lord in a dark time by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to do it. But when he does it, it's amazing, absolutely amazing, amazing freedom, peace, joy will flood into your heart straight away and the things around you will change. So it's not just talk. It has to be power. If you're not seeing power, then it's talk. Romans 14, 17 says, after all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. So just to explain what that means, this was when um, the Apostle Paul's writing to the Rome church in Rome and um, you've got different types of people here and you've got some people who think you shouldn't eat meat that's been offered to idols, for instance, and some say, well, I'm born again so I don't care if I eat meat that's offered to, to idols. And so 
they will eat the meat and the others will be really offended. And what he's saying is, don't argue about this. Like if eating the meat that's offered to idols is going to hurt someone else and they're going to get worked up and upset about it, just don't do it. Just eat it another time and so that we can all focus on the main thing. And uh, we won't have that problem but we'll have some other problem that we all start to focus on instead of the main thing. And he's saying don't get worked up about those things. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. It's not a matter of sitting, well, I really wanted to have that steak but I wasn't allowed to because Fred doesn't believe I should you know, and you go home and you miss out. You start focusing on the wrong things. But instead it is righteousness, the state which makes a person acceptable to God and heart peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is from the Amplified Version, which is why it's spelled out like that. It's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the markers. So if you're looking for the kingdom of God within you, and today I'm talking about within you, if we're going to make a difference in the world, it's going to start with the kingdom of God within you. So at the moment we don't sit and talk about what it's like or is the kingdom of God in the person next to me. I can see where they need to tweak a few things in their life. Forget the person next to you or behind you or the ones at home or whatever. It's you we're talking about today. Where is the kingdom of God within you? It's always easy to... um look at someone else and work out their problems because you have the answers for them. But today we're looking at ourselves. And so it says this, Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Jesus says this, So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink and what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, which Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Just pause on that one. When he says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, he doesn't, he's not, sometimes we think these words because of the way we think it's like putting one group down. It's not putting them down. What he's saying is it's tragic that people have to worry about these things because they don't need to. And if you're still doing that, you don't understand that the kingdom of God has come into your life. He's saying, I, I want to look after those things for you. I can, I can fix up all those things for you. Just don't let those things dominate your life. There are bigger things at play here than how you're going to have your needs met because your Heavenly Father knows your needs already, so you don't have to worry about them. And so whatever you're worrying about is generally what dominates the thought of an unbeliever because they don't know there's a God who loves them. The only reason it would dominate their thoughts is that they don't know that there's one who cares, one who provides, one who's there for them. And when that dominates our thoughts, it means something of the truth of the word of God hasn't crept from our head to our heart because those old ways of thinking are still dominating and we can be set free from them. Just knowing that everything is going to work together for good, that God is going to provide. And then Jesus says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else as opposed to seeking your own needs being met. These are two things that we can seek. Seek your own needs being met. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and his righteousness and he will give you everything you need. So when you get to that point where the kingdom of God reigns supreme in your heart and your mind, your faith then is resting totally in him, nothing else, not in your own capabilities or whatever it is, nothing else. Your, your faith is resting totally on him and everything you need will come flooding into your life. This is the power of the kingdom of God. And it's a daily dying to ourselves that we find it, and it's a daily rejoicing in him. So let's look at these three things. These are the markers of the kingdom of God in your life. And he and the Apostle Paul calls them righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But I believe the Holy Spirit comes after all of those things. Righteousness in the Holy Spirit, joy in the Holy Spirit, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And how do we seek the kingdom of God to find those things? Well, I believe it's like this. When Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God, 
He doesn't just say, ask for the kingdom of God. He says, seek. And if you're going to seek, has everyone, anyone ever listened to Treasure Seeker on the, whatever it is, Treasure Hunter on the ABC radio on Saturday mornings, if they still do that? That's fun. They don't do it anymore. It was a fun little show, little program, um, just around Newcastle. Phoebe and I would drive, Phoebe's my daughter, we were driving along one day and we were listening to The Clue and I said, and you had to find a red envelope. I said, I know where that is. Actually, that's one block from here. We weren't even part of the game, but we got really excited about it. We drove to the place. We could see the red envelope at the back of this park somewhere and we sat and waited till they found it. And yeah, that was fun because there's something fun about watching people seek, but there's something fun about seeking, isn't there? Like when, we're, when I used to have youth and youth still do this and you had scavenger hunts, there was so much fun trying to get, finding the clues and going to seek something. And um, when you go on a journey to seek, what happens is that something happens in you in the seeking process. So if you, you know, we know this with raising our children, that you don't give them everything that they want when they're two. Part of it is growing up and becoming more responsible and um, disciplining and they start to receive rewards. And once they become adults, they get bigger things and they get more responsibility and they get more power. And something happens to us when we go on the seeking process. So if you say, well, I asked for the kingdom of God to come in and take away this and this and it didn't happen, that's because you need to go on a seeking journey. And on the seeking journey, God starts to rewire your heart and your mind. I've found this personally in my life that when I go on that seeking journey, at first it's difficult because Sometimes I don't really want to go on it. I just want God to fix things up like that. Um, secondly, it's because my way of thinking needs a drastic change and to change my way of thinking is one of the hardest things to do. And so the seeking journey actually starts to rewire you. In fact, once when I was going through a period of depression, when my children were little, I had to set out on this seeking journey again, got out my Bible and just waited till I found the right passage that I felt the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and it was all about rejoicing. And so I just have to start being obedient to the word of God. Didn't make sense. Why would I rejoice in all the things that was happening? But I decided to because I thought if the word of God is true, then it will work. So therefore... I will put it into practice. My rational brain at the moment is not saying that it will work, but my heart and my trust in the word of God and his character and nature says it will work, so I'll put it into practice. So I do that every day. Thank God for everything I was going through in the middle of everything I was going through. It was like a joy would come. It was like a sort of wallpaper being ripped off a wall. You know when you're renovating an old house and you think, we'll take off the wallpaper, oh, there's something else under there and then you take it off again. This was like that for me. It was many layers. Someone had wallpapered that house 20 times. And then one day I dropped my children at school and um, I thanked God that day that I'd gone through this time of depression and it was the last layer of wallpaper. And I still remember walking back next to my house and I could hear the birds singing in the trees and I thought, I'm hearing the birds singing and I'm feeling peaceful and full of joy. And it was just the power of the word of God and obedience to the word of God that allowed the kingdom of God to take supreme place in my heart. And so it's the righteousness that comes from knowing that you are justified, your sins are washed away, and when you have that righteousness, you, stop, you know you've got it because you don't look at other people's sins. 
You don't judge other people. You're not mad with other people because you know you didn't earn this. It's a blessing that you have his righteousness. It's peace in the Holy Spirit because you know that you gave your life away and he's now in charge of it. You don't have to worry about things anymore. You've got that peace. You can rejoice in him in all circumstances and he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. It's joy in the Holy Spirit because you know that he loves you, he is with you, he's got everything under control and he's using you for amazing things in this world and you are on on a great adventure to see God's kingdom come in you and then go out to others through you and all you have to do is constantly die to yourself and he does the rest and you have all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you and then you know that the kingdom of God is dwelling within you and I believe when Jesus said seek that first, Seek it first. It means becoming very aware of the tensions within you and being very real with yourself, bringing the things to before God that are of another kingdom, repenting of even listening to them and asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with his power so that you can have his righteousness, his joy and his peace and then his power will flow out through you. And when you walk into the room, everything will be different. Everything will be different. You carry the presence of God wherever you go. And when you're aware that God entrusted you with his presence, it's so amazing, he entrusted you with his presence, you'll be so humbled by that that you want to take that presence wherever you go. So let's pray. I'm just going to ask the band to come up. But just, um, I just feel like I'd just like the Holy Spirit to um, fill us. That would be good. Fill us afresh. Actually, there's a slide I want to put up. It's a prayer that you might like to pray. And um, you can sit, you can stand, you can read this prayer if you want to. It says, Dear Father, I need you. I hunger and thirst for a more vital relationship with you. I admit that I've been in control of my life. As a result, I've sinned against you. Thank you for forgiving my sins through Christ's death on the cross for me. And I confess and turn from my sins and surrender the control of my life to the Lord Jesus. By faith, I invite you to fill me with the Holy Spirit as you commanded me to be filled. You promised to fill me if I ask according to your will. I pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. I demonstrate my faith now. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit and for taking control of my life.